Welcome to Filled to Flourish with Luke and Lauren. Where emotional health takes a stage and your story matters. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. We're so excited to be with you guys again and uh, talk about what we're going to talk about today. Yes, finding your voice. It's a good topic. It's a, I think, uh, an important topic. It's a little bit ambiguous yeah. topic. Yeah, it's hard to define. It is. And yet it's a very real um, process and part of becoming a healthier whole person. Right, and finding that intimacy and creating that intimacy within relationship. Yep. Um, whether it's a marriage or... Um, other, any other relationship. Any other relationship. Yeah. Because um, finding your voice is part of advocating for yourself. So we're going to jump in. Yeah, let's jump. And finding your voice and learning. So this kind of goes together with the previous. Yeah, um, definitely. Episodes of last week of even um, one be- before that, which... It's pretty convenient, don't you think? <laughs> I do. <laughs> We're just that brilliant yeah. to accidentally do that. <laughs> <laughs> so finding your voice and like, I guess we could like kind of do a subtitle mm-hmm. of um, and learning how to tell your story. Yeah. So we've talked about story and that we all have a story and why it's important to know your story. Um, why it's important to look at your story. But finding your voice comes in the midst of that story mm-hmm. after that story it's like they we go talked hand in about, hand they totally do and how we talked about before like at some point in our life um whether we were young kids teens or adults we stopped telling our story yeah and um goodness that's just such a common um thread among people when you talk to them and you hear their, about their life and and you see that they at some point or, or maybe they're still stuck there, they stopped um, telling their story, which means they stopped understanding their story and, and having that insight. And it's so important if you want to know your story and to start telling it again is finding that voice within you mm-hmm. that can reach those levels of courage and bravery to begin to start to speak again yeah. about your heart. Yeah. And why that's important, it's not just because we want to be navel-gazing and and everybody should hear us talk. That's such an old man term. I know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> navel-gazing. Yeah. I'm an old man. Like, who says navel? <laughs> like, let me check my navel. <laughs> but it's a good term. There it's might be a more modern usage, probably. but it's cute to see you be an old man. <laughs> <laughs> I think. It's a good picture into the future. You'll be a very cute, bald old man. With a, with a belly. With a belly and a beard. Gazing. I don't think you're going to have a belly. This man has like no body fat. It's disturbing. Anyway. <laughs> Bunny trail. Um, it's the purpose isn't to the, be just to say, just everybody listen to me, right? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the importance of knowing that you're important, mm. um, that you have needs, that mm. you're that um, you have a request, and that you need to verbalize those. And there's even an aspect of 
um, having setting up healthy boundaries within mm-hmm. a relationship. And you can't do that without your voice. Yeah, and you can't you can't have a voice unless you um, you, you can't have a voice that is connected to your heart unless you know your heart, right? So otherwise, your voice is just going to be um, aggressive and damaging and or silent. Like it could go to the either extreme, but your your voice, a healthy voice, is always connected back to your heart and your story, understanding right. understanding you yourself on the heart level. And I think what you're another way of saying what what mm-hmm. you're saying is um, like I struggle with having a voice. Yes, early on in our marriage. Yes, <laughs> that didn't mean. I didn't advocate. Mm. And what you just mentioned is when my heart was detached from my voice, it was a lashing out. Mm. It was, I'm suppressing my voice as long as I can. Right. Until I'm pushed to the point of brokenness and I'm just yelling and saying, and Mm. and that's what, and it becomes abusive. Yeah. Like verbally abusive of, I'm not just saying my needs. I'm now attacking you for not noticing my needs. Right. Or for you not loving me well, mm-hmm. quote unquote, but you didn't, mm-hmm. you can't read my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would lash out at you because I didn't know my story mm-hmm. and my voice was detached from my heart. So good. And so good. Your voice being detached from your heart. And it's so harmful. So harmful. To my, for me. Yep. Because it didn't. I wasn't getting loved. No. The way I needed to be. You were pushing away the the people that wanted to love you. And then I pushed you away, and hurt you. Yeah. Which again, cyclical. <laughs> I, I push you away. I trigger your attachment. Mm-hmm. And then you pull away and trigger my attachment. Yeah. And so we're triggering each other's attachment, and dysregulated, because we don't know our story. Yeah. And we're our voices. Ooh, very unrefined. <laughs> it is. I used to tell people, still tell people, um, back when we were in counseling mm. um, b- before grad school, um, our counselor, um, actually, I'm going to share something from his book. His name was Dr. Larry Wagner, and he wrote a book, Help Me Help <laughs> Others. He's a professor at my college, and he did a marriage class, and he was just profoundly intelligent. Mm. There's so much wisdom. So good. I got to audit that class with you. And, and he gave us so many tools. Wow. And just a framework for relationships and marriage. I remember one day we went up to him after class and was like, you should write a book. He's like, um, Did we really? the transcript is at the editor. That's awesome. <laughs> and so that was really cool. Yeah. So he's was just an amazing guy. But he told us when we were seeing him before he was my teacher, he said, because we're like a cat and mouse Hmm. in conflict mm-hmm. you would always pursue reconciliation because you're an anxiously attached person saying yep. make me safe yeah let's fix this i want to feel better yeah and i was avoidantly attached and saying uh where can i hide <laughs> <laughs> and so i was always pulling away and seeing how long we could go without that conflict resolution yes indeed <laughs> and he would he gave us the great wisdom and said lauren stop doing that mm. and gave me the invitation and the power and the authority yeah the calling me yeah. up and saying luke you can do this mm-hmm. so now i'm kind of giving you that role of being that conflict resolution person yeah and i was like okay i'll take that <laughs> a young married man <laughs> 
And then conflict would happen. It was a mess. <laughs> it was sloppy. I always tell people, like, don't worry about the sloppiness, yeah. especially initially. Yeah. And so my voice looked kind of like you would maybe hurt me. And I would say something mean to you. My voice became, started out as, why are you such a jerk to me? <laughs> yes. And that's supposed to resolve conflict <laughs> <laughs> somehow. <laughs> and in your grace and your patience. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> you, you helped me refine that over yeah. time. Yeah. And through my practice, I've learned to refine that. Yeah. It's taken a while. It has. But there's, yeah, so there's a lack of, re, there's a refining process. But even if it's not refined, it's important to say, because all I was saying is, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. But I don't know mm -hmm. how to tell you that. Exactly. Because my voice was detached from my story. Yeah. I didn't know about my attachment. I didn't know I had a story. And so I was just, I had to learn a new language of communicating. Yeah. And, as overseas workers, we know that learning another language is sloppy. Is so complicated <laughs> and, and nuanced slow. and slower than molasses. Yes. There we go. There's an old term. Yeah. No, I just aged myself. You're an old lady with me. <laughs> so there is that refinement, but it's all about just practice. Mm -hmm. Just take that risk. Yeah. So I think it's important to point out the ideal in a marriage relationship yeah. that it, it's ideal that you're mutually pursuing this path of finding your voice together. Um, when it's one-sided, it's going to be a lot harder. There's, there's um, additional challenges. Additional challenges for sure. And there's going to be a lesser amount of intimacy possible. Right. But ideally, you're both on a journey together and you're both learning how to know your heart, know your story, and then find that voice of of what you need and how you engage with your spouse in this crazy world. So for us, um, if you've listened to the last episode, kind of a piggyback off that, while Luke was walking through his journey of finding healing, healing and wholeness from the trauma that led him to his addiction, I was developing a voice that empowered me and didn't allow me to be oppressed in that situation. Right. So it's it's so tricky because when you have a relationship where there is an addiction or a really significant struggle, whether it be like or trauma, severe depression, right? I mean, though that's behind pretty much True. <laughs> all of these things. Right. But yeah, that there's going to be um, this very delicate balance of okay, well, I need a voice and I need my needs to be met and I need to be felt safe, right. says the non you know trauma spouse. And the other spouse, um, there could be the tendency for the non-traumatized spouse to silence and control the spouse that's trying to heal because they've done so much damage and they've hurt, they've caused so much hurt that the that the other spouse um, really ends up getting rid of their their spouse's voice, thinking that that is the way to to get better and to that control will. Will give them the security that they ultimately mm -hmm. want. So what you're saying is, you um, one way that you could have responded because you're being traumatized, mm -hmm. and I'm doing the traumatization. Then it becomes the focus becomes on you to heal, and you forget my, you shut my story down. Um, 
Yeah, and I don't even think that it would be considered healing at that point. I might have said that, but okay. it, like survival. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I, I need to survive. And, and that person, they're just doing all the harm. So I need to control and stifle um, basically what the, the actions, the fruit of their actions. But the reality is you're never going to have intimacy if your spouse doesn't have a voice Correct. and if they don't find access to that story within their heart. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just trying to paint a picture of this super delicate balance between the two partners of how do you both mm. um, develop uh, access to that story in your heart and and share it, begin to share your needs and yeah. your brokenness with your spouse in a way that you can both mutually pursue healing and find safety with one another in the meantime. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of like. It's, impossible <laughs> but it, it isn't because we've done it right and it is a dance a very so delicate delicate dance because during our marriage you're being traumatized because of my addiction and my trauma mm -hmm. and so you have a story that you need to address from your childhood but also you're walking through in, in marriage and sure. intimacy and yet journey is important and but somehow you have to walk that journey without throwing more shame and condemnation on me, yeah, but giving space for me to also yeah. heal. Right. And so with that pain that you're receiving, how do you work through that while still mm -hmm. giving me space for mm -hmm. a story mm -hmm. and to love me mm -hmm. and see beyond yeah. the behaviors? Right, exactly. And that is a tricky dance. And we did it so bad so many times. Mm -hmm. But I think we did it good a lot of times too yeah we, in a progressive manner uh, right yeah we were able to move out of that and find healing and intimacy yeah. and continue to grow i think that the two extremes so that would be right in the middle of a continuum right i think that the two extremes would be one the woman or the man whoever the the non-addicted trauma whatever whatever we're filling in with that blank that's yeah. applicable here that person has no voice and their their entire world goes into helping quote helping yeah. which would it be enabling turns into, it, it turns into enabling yeah right? definitely that's a fine line um, helping the other person get better um, become stable become successful be able to you know be functional so everything goes into that every thought every action every planning everything and not even just helping but finding a homeostasis so that their addiction doesn't get worse yeah. or or managing it right like with an alcoholic did you go like did you buy alcohol today did right. you did you go to the store today did you mm -hmm. did you go to work today did you go in late like smelling so many, the breath doing yeah. all those the hyper vigilance mm -hmm. so that's that's one Way extreme of, that the that that person becomes so consumed with the the hurt individual that's also victimizing people yeah. that they empty all of their emotional, financial, all the resources into that person getting better, yes. whatever that looks like. And they don't have any, like they're at the end of that journey, they're like an empty shell yeah. because they don't have any voice. They have no needs that have been able to be expressed or met. And they're um, completely enmeshed. The word enmeshed is perfect. Yeah. It's this image of like literally no um, individuation coming together completely like if you put yeah. your two hands together it's not two hands anymore it's one hand yeah. so they've enmeshed with that person like luke said there's no individuation of the person of the two people so that's one end yeah. 
But then the the other end of that is your roommates. Yeah, it's you. You have so much individuation. You're just completely separate entities.、Mm-hmm. You go do your addiction, and I'm going to just. I'm going. A lot of times, it's I'm going to be a mom. If you、mm-hmm. have kids, it's I'm going to put everything into being a good mom. Yeah, and you don't. I'm Or my gonna, job. I'm not going to ask you to be emotionally available at all, and、yep. we're just going our different ways.、And、that's usually what happens after 20 years. They just, kids、mm. grow up and they get a divorce. Yeah, because there's no longer any intimacy there or relationship. It's we were cohabitating to raise these kids, and these kids are gone, and now I don't know who you are. So why are we together? Yeah. And that's usually what happens when you see that marriage of twenty, twenty-five years、mm-hmm. turning into a divorce.、Mm-hmm. Is they've just decided the best way to stay emotionally safe, yeah, is to not ask, yeah, and not to offer, yeah. So, one, I'll try to paint a a picture of like something I try to help with pe- help people and how I see it play out a lot of times. So, I can draw this a lot better than I can explain <laughs> it, but. I'll do my best. They, this is a pretty bright audience. I、yes. think they can, they can, they can figure it out. I think it's more on me whether I can explain it. Than yeah,、them. you're pretty bright. Too. <laughs> you got this. So, we'll say like the a spectrum. I put、um, yeah spectrum. You have the wife on one side and, and the husband on the other side. And how I see a lot of times happening is they usually it's actually the wife that creates a. Um, a lose lose situation, kind of,、mm-hmm. and she moves all the way over to her husband, so she's just standing right next to him on the spectrum. Okay, and she's saying, "Move towards me, love me, be emotionally available,"、mm-hmm. and it, she says this a lot. So eventually, the husband gets the picture and says, "Okay, I'm going to ask her how her day is." <laughs> And so he asks her, "Hey, babe, how was your day today?" And she's like, she tries to receive it, but it's you only ask me that because I told you to. Yeah. And you didn't really want to move towards me.、Mm. You just are being a good person. Yeah. And a lot of times, this dynamic is more of a parent, parent to child dynamic within a marriage. Okay. And so when he does what he's asked to do, he's a good boy. When he doesn't do what he's asked to do, he's a bad boy, and so he there's that shame and condemnation, that power differential of a、um, high low power、mm-hmm. differentials,、mm-hmm. and there's in- intimacy can't be created in that kind of marriage. Yeah, in that environment. In that environment. So what I try to get people to do is go back to their spec their their spots、uh, their spots the on the on the on the line, and I env- encourage the wife. Because she's usually the one that's doing the asking invitation to come to the middle and say, "Babe, I want you to be emotionally available. Will you come to me?"、Mm. And it's really risky, yeah. Because in the other dynamic, where they're side to side, she's got the power. Yeah, it's more controlled. It's controlled, and there's less risk. But there's no place for him to move. So when she comes to the middle, there's a whole half of that line for him to move towards her. And so when she asks, there's a choice. Well, there's one. There's risk and there's vulnerability for her, and for him, there's a choice of, am I going to leave her hanging in the middle,、mm-hmm. risky and vulnerable, or am I going to move towards her and say, yes, I will meet this emotional needs. 
and when he moves towards her, that's where intimacy can cre- be created. Okay. Because there's an you're playing on, you're on the same playing field. You're yeah. you're equals. There's an invitation, and then there's a moving towards. And and what we um couple episodes ago we talked about bids and that's yeah. where kind of what uh john gottman we're talking about like masters and disasters when she comes so when this wife comes to the middle and says i need you but i'm giving you space to pursue me yeah if a husband sees that and moves towards her that's where the master that's mm-hmm. how you become masters and that's where it projects a healthy and successful relationship yeah if he decides not to and continues to that's where that's the disasters and the marriage is on is kind of buying time yeah um so you're saying that's a relational bid that process of her coming to that middle place and saying i really love when we connect at night i want to get to know you more when the kids aren't awake i'd love to hear your heart and then she just leaves it and and sees what he does with that that's a relational bid she you can't control or force Right. An answer to a bid, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's not possible. No. I mean, you could try, but it would be so artificial. And um, well, that's where that's what kind of what happens when they're side by side. Yeah. Is she's controlling that that bid and saying, This is what this is what I want behaviors to look like. Yeah. And but it's a paradox. Because mm-hmm. if he does it, then he's just doing because she asks. Right. If he doesn't do it, then he still loses. And so so that, yeah, that's that's the exchange of the bids. And when there's that exchange, like we talked about that relational exchange yep. of a currency and it starts building up that savings of the yeah. intimacy. Yeah. I think we talked too about how it's not just important to respond well to people's bids, but to give your own bids. And right. so if that husband, okay, sure, honey, you want a back rub at night? Okay. You want this? Okay. You want to go on a date this weekend? And he's like, continually responding to her bids but never giving his own bids mm-hmm. like i don't like when we're out in public and you say this about me right that's a bid right that's a that's a place in the middle where he's come to to let her know and then she can respond but he's got to do that also yes and so yes I, that's a great point and so that wife having that bid that's her having a voice mm-hmm. so in our story mm-hmm. You are setting up boundaries. You are having requests. And you called me and waited. And, mm-hmm. and it's not an all or nothing. Yeah, I, sure. Like even when in my most healthy, unhealthiest time, it wasn't like I was never receiving your bids or, right. or never pursuing you. It was... Yeah, like more patterns. It was, yeah. You were able to have that voice and ask. But what you were just saying, that's kind of what I was like. I could receive your bid. Mm-hmm. I responded to your bid. I noticed bids and I, yeah. but that was also part of my personality of one, the anxious side of my attachment. Mm-hmm. Also my personality of a, as a, like a peacemaker, yep. like, as we could talk about Enneagram, <laughs> I'm a nine. I resonate with the, the nine um, in, on the Enneagram. And so I'm a peacemaker. So I'm analyzing my yeah. environments of what other people's needs are. Yeah. That's also a trauma response. Yeah. So I could see your needs mm-hmm. and I could pursue them because I wasn't connected to my story. Also, person that resonates with a nine, mm-hmm. they feel like they have no voice and they matter. They don't matter. Yeah. And so I had a really hard time of um, making bids. Yeah. And so I didn't have a voice. Yeah. Um, consistently. Mm-hmm. One way 
that this came out and it's it's a, a common mm-hmm. area where bids are hard is is within sex mm. and it was hard for me to pursue you mm-hmm. or to verbalize desires within that sex mm-hmm. and intimacy and not only was it hard but when i did take that risk yeah if you weren't able to receive that bid then it was like life or death yeah it felt it felt like it, it felt colossal yeah and a lot of it i mean i would say almost every time it yeah. was more health reasons right like you have chronic disease and you have for since your early 20s yeah and so there is there was times where i didn't understand the chronic disease and sure. it was you wanted to engage you wanted to yeah. meet me there but physically yeah you were in too much pain it wasn't the proverbial headache right. <laughs> it was actually no i really have a headache and i just need to go to sleep now because yeah. i feel like crap and for so many years you were having headaches yeah five six times a, it, a week it was so much back then and thank god that you found so much more healing but it wasn't just what headaches. do you mean by that hon <laughs> <laughs> our sex life's a lot better now. yeah mm. <laughs> my bids are a lot easier to give out there <laughs> that's hilarious no, just kidding but, um but seriously but seriously but it wasn't even just headaches it was it was body pain yeah, it was brain fog it was so many things that I did not understand as a as a young husband yeah. and and again I couldn't give what I didn't have hmm. and so one of the reasons we've talked about doing story work is being able to, to have compassion on ourselves mm-hmm. so then we could have compassion and empathy with other people yeah and so because I was kind of a, a survival tendency yeah is a bid was emotional survival hmm. so when I was given that bid and you wasn't able to be received it was like emotional suicide mm, that's such a good comparison and, and it may sound kind of dramatic but it really felt that yep with an anxiously avoidant attachment and with insecure attachment in general mm-hmm. those bids are are not a small ask yeah it is if, if a spouse a is giving a bid it's take it, like i was talking to i was having a conversation with somebody and um within my family and i was talking to them about something and they missed my bid and I was like, followed up that bid. And I said, I gave that bid. You missed it. But what you didn't see is it's taken me three weeks to offer that bid. Right. <laughs> yeah. And and they saw that that time and they yeah. responded amazingly. Yeah. But it's that kind of idea is when we have an insecure attachment, to have that voice mm. takes so much. So much courage. And so when we're in relationship, we're seeing people take bids. We It's so important for us to look for those bids and... Not to say, oh, I missed that one, mm-hmm. or oh, that's just a bit. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm busy. Mm-hmm. We don't know how much that has taken yeah. them to muster up that that yeah. ask. Yeah. And if we don't know our story and haven't done a story work, then it's taking even more. Yeah. Because our voices detach from our story and from our hearts. Yeah. So it's even harder to offer those bits. It is, but the beauty of um, having a, an integrated story mm-hmm. and, and and being integrated in yourself and and healthy and whole is when you offer bids with that secure attachment or you're earning that secure attachment with your spouse yeah. and your spouse isn't able to meet your bid for whatever reason 
there's such a safety you can create there. Mm. Like I remember I used to think as a young married wife, like I would feel so gutted for you when I wasn't available and that sexually because I wasn't feeling well. And I just remember thinking like, I can see that this is his heart is hurting. Right. And that broke my heart. And I, I remember like trying to explain it to you from a cognitive place Mm -hmm. But it was so much deeper than a cognitive intellectual understanding. And it was kind of an attachment trigger. Mm -hmm. And so I was going hypo. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that language wasn't even being processed. You weren't even, I I believe that. I mean, you really couldn't receive how much I loved you, how much I loved to be with you and how I just couldn't in that time. Mm -hmm. Um, But the beauty of growing, like there's so many benefits to healing and having, earning that secure attachment with your spouse, because yes, it takes a lot of work and a lot of hard, messy, tearful conversations. But now we're at the point where that those, um, those bids that are missed or that aren't able to be met at that time aren't met with heartache. Like we might be disappointed or sad or be like, I need to talk to you because earlier I gave a bit and you oh. totally missed it. But when you have that security, mm-hmm. it's like there's room to be able to – there's – there's um what's the word? Like what's the cushion? There's um there's give in yeah. the relationship so it doesn't shatter you. Right. Um, I'm thinking just how now when our bids are seen but not able to be met, mm-hmm. we're really able to be like, okay – and stay regulated, stay really. Regulated, and and still still connect, mm-hmm. but just understanding that whatever this bed is, mm-hmm. it can't be met. Yeah, and, and that's over time of of risk yeah. and vulnerability. Yeah, and ideally, like what you were talking about earlier, ideally this risk being taken by both spouses. Yes. There's mutual vulnerability, mutual risk-taking, mutual bidding. And as we do our story and we realize Mm -hmm. how much our voice matters and how much it takes to give that bid, Mm -hmm. we can also then have compassion that the other person is also, if they're doing that bid, they're trying this hard. Yeah. And so there's that mutual respect and and love Mm -hmm. of, if I want them to receive my bid, I can receive their bid. And that intentionality yep. of, of pursuing each other. And as we create that, have that safety and that desire for intimacy and that mutual pursuit of, of marriage and intimacy, yep. progress is made. Because mm-hmm. that currency, that relational mm-hmm. currency is being built up. Mm-hmm. And it's so valuable. So valuable. In amazing it is amazing um it's so much work but again like we've said so many times the fruit of it and the outcome is so worth the effort that you put in i'm thinking about how relationships need this safety um to have a voice like you need to have a place of knowing that your voice is a going to even be Valuable. heard and and, yeah, valued. and then affirmed mm-hmm. whether or not it's that person's experience affirmed that it's your experience and your need and then responded to yeah but without safety um how would you say like for couples that feel like the trust and safety of the relationship is really 
week or mm-hmm. just, um, you know, there's been a lot of hurts on both sides and they don't, that's not a robust area. How do you get from a place where you're there to then a place where your voice can grow and develop the strength it needs to get your needs met in a healthy way? I think that's a hard question to answer because there's so many different scenarios, scenarios and variables. Scenarios. I, but I would say one way to start is don't make big deposits. Okay. Like hmm. don't risk a lot. Hmm. Make those, make a lot of small deposits. Because you're just with the big risk, you're setting yourself up for major expectation loss. And if it's, it's like gambling, like if you put, if you go all in, yeah. You have everything to lose. Yeah. Um, we're definitely we're... promoting gambling here on our podcast. <laughs> Not at all. We think it's a really healthy <laughs> habit and it has no no connection to addiction at all. <laughs> no, that's a good analogy. No, but like just that idea of when there's a lot risk, there's a lot to lose. Yeah. And if that safety is not there, then there's a lot to lose. Yeah. And so um, we take your time to build that safety. Hmm. Um, That's really good. Another, I'm going to sound old again. Okay. Rome wasn't built in a night. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm full of quotes today. They're terrible. (laughs) (laughs) But that that idea that we've been married for almost 15 years now. Yeah. And a lot of people listening to us have been married for longer than us. Sure. But it's that idea of we've done a lot. Been around the block a few (laughs) times. We've made mistakes. Yeah. We've risked. We've lost. Yeah. We've w- risked and won. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- so taking those small bits mm-hmm. and doing those frequently, but also having conversations about the bits. Like, yeah. Let's come up with a plan. Let's do these types of bits. Mm-hmm. Like, these are, look for these bits. Yeah. And then take that risk of talking about the bits mm-hmm. like when they're messed. Because mm-hmm. especially when you're starting out, it's like another language. Yeah. So people are missing bids, but that's because they don't know what that meant. Right. We're coming from different family cultures. Mm-hmm. So maybe sarcasm for one person is a bid for love and another person was, was it's a, it's a attachment trigger. Yeah. And so we're speaking different love languages. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important to know what language your spouse speaks. So you start speaking that same language. Yeah. And you can't have that without conversation. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't happen by just reading people's minds. Yeah. Like, and just hoping that one time, one day they understand it. Yeah. Like there is, I don't know how many conversations we've had <laughs> about how I've hurt you and how you've hurt me and yeah. the misses. There's so many conversations. And again, a lot of them were not smooth. Right. It started out with that argument yelling at each other, crying, mm-hmm. frustration, you leaving the room, me leaving the room and having to come back and trying again and yeah. failing and just, but we've always been on the same page of we're pursuing intimacy. Yeah. And so those are like some ideas of like what we've done and what I help people do, take small steps, having that scaffolding, mm-hmm. building that scaffolding to build that foundation. Would, would you say um, for people who are listening to this who maybe have a spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend who is not in a healthy place at all, yeah. maybe they're an addict, 
right. which um, ad- addictions tend to bring on a lot of or cause, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg, it's hard to know, but um, a lot of narcissistic tendencies. Right. So you're you're with an addict or you're with a very, a person with loads of trauma who hasn't touched any of it. Right. And so relationally, they're not a safe person. Yeah. You fell in love with them and you're with them, but they're, the way they protect themselves and the way that they engage is um, very damaging. So for those people listening whose yeah. whose spouse is not anywhere close to being safe or healthy yet, um, how would you encourage them to do they bid or... Is there a different path for them? What a good question. <laughs> that's a, a big one. That's a doozy. That's a big one. There's another term, doozy. <laughs> we are actually only in our 30s. I don't know why we sound like we're a couple generations older. But. Yeah. So a couple thoughts come to my mind. Okay. As anybody that is in a um, difficult relationship or an unhealthy relationship, mm-hmm. Um, if somebody's telling you that they're in a, you're in an unhealthy relationship, one, I would like pay attention to that because a lot mm. of times, if you're in that relationship, you have that emotional blindness. Yeah, you don't have the objectivity. Yes. So if someone's telling you you're in a, a unhealthy relationship, yeah, that is such a good point. Give ear to that. Yep. Two, I would encourage you to prioritize your story, mm. your work. So with uh, safe friends or a counselor. Like I would recommend a counselor because they know how to walk you through that. Mm-hmm. And so you're prioritizing your own health and your own safety, emotional safety, and you're getting healthier so that you can have more objectivity. Yeah. Um, so you can grow that voice. You can get connected to your story and your needs, and you can start having that healthy voice. Yeah. Um, a lot of times with um, addiction, there's a lot of codependency. Mm-hmm. And so we want to save the person. Mm. And so we, we will sacrifice our needs. Like what you were saying earlier, we give everything into helping the person get better. Yeah. And we put our story on the back burner or we just, we just sacrifice everything. Yeah. And so you need to be aware of that. Don't be enabling the person that has the addiction, your spouse, your the person you're in a relationship with. And work on your story so that you can be healthy, support when they want to get better, if they want right, to get better. Right, right. So you, rather than enabling them or being codependent on them, you're individuated yep. and you have expectations. Here's a, that my professor in his book, he came up um, in our class, he came up with like a diagram. And in situations like this, you have to do some, you have to be honest with your story. Yeah. So in that relationship, Take full account of the uh, wrong suffered mm-hmm. is something he says is what you do in your past. You look at your past and you say, how have I been hurt? Are they safe? Are they pursuing intimacy as much as I'm pursuing intimacy? Or yeah. is it one way? You have to grieve that hurt and that loss that you're experiencing. Um, and that process can take a long time. Yeah. This is not a, a one event kind of thing. Mm-hmm. This is not a week kind of thing. This could be over time of counseling, of you're taking that full account, you're grieving it. And at some point you make a choice to forgive. So I want to be very careful here that forgiveness doesn't mean letting go of everything that you've experienced. 
forgiveness is a choice and a continued choice of saying, <clears throat> I'm not going to hold judgment against them. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I'm not going to hold them accountable. Right. Or that I'm going to give them access. Or right. mm-hmm. Very and, different. Um, and then you let go of the expectation of reconciliation. Mm. And so you're not doing this work and saying, I'm going to do all of this so that they, so we can be in relationship. Yeah. You're doing this for yourself to heal, to grow, and to be the person that you're, you're intended to be. Then like in the present, he has a divide in the past and in the present you're, you have forgiven. You're making that statement. Okay. Today I'm going to forgive. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to start pursuing that healing of allowing you to not hold on to those bitterness and that pain, but you've, you've, you've grieved it. And then you're going to look at the future. So if you're going to continue in relationship with this person, you're going to set boundaries for acceptable behavior. Mm-hmm. So there's an expectation of this is how, if I'm, if you want to be in relationship with me, these are the expectations. Like the addiction is going to, going to end the, you're going to get counseling. Yeah. Um, you're going to meet my emotional needs. Mm-hmm. So you're having that voice as you're doing this work. You're saying you're advocating for yourself. Mm-hmm. So you're ex- you're setting that boundary. And then you expect the sincere change. So mm-hmm. you're verbalizing that boundary and those expectations. And now you're expecting them to take action. Yep. That doesn't mean you hold their hand to counseling. That doesn't mean you drive them to counseling. <laughs> it doesn't mean you, like, again, you're not codependent and making sure that they're sober. And sobriety mean in any kind of addiction, not just alcohol. You you give them responsibility of that. Yeah. You don't own that. And if those things don't happen, if those expectations are not met, if there is not genuine change, how does this person, how do you emotionally engage with this person? I mean, I don't think you can. Okay. There's, yeah, you, it's. <laughs> I stumped to the counselor. <laughs> You can't emotionally engage with somebody that doesn't want to be mm-hmm. engaged emotionally. Yeah. You can try, but you're going to continue getting hurt. Yeah. And it's, and that's not intimacy. Right. That's, also that's not finding your voice. No, it's not. That's not being connected with your heart. Being connected with your heart is having compassion with your story, knowing your story, then advocating for the needs. Yeah. And if you're verbalizing these things, and having expectations and setting boundaries and they're not being met and then you continue to engage mm. that's enabling and codependency and that's re allowing abuse to continue yep it is and it's a it's a massively counterfeit type of love right. it's not love yeah. but so many people are in relationships like that where they feel like well we live together you know we may have sex every now and then we share money so it's love mm-hmm. but a, a codependent relationship is not love. It can have love aspects aspects to it, yeah. um, but there will not be any deepening of intimacy. And ultimately, there won't be fulfillment in a relationship mm-hmm. like that. It will only lead to heartache yeah. and uh, lessening of your voice yeah. always. If there's not a commitment to change and action, consistent action to change. Yeah. Which doesn't mean perfection. Nope but consistent in that direction of change. And most people can tell when mm. there's sincerity. Even without the, even with no objectivity because of love. Do you feel like uh, those people can tell? 
I mean, most objective people can definitely tell, like on the outside. Right. So yes, emotion can muddy that waters, but you can tell when there is a difference. Because、mm. if you're honest, even a codependent person, if they're honest with themselves,、yeah. they can see that there's not change.、Yeah. I'm I'm still working harder than them. Yeah. There will be a difference. Did you ask me a question? No, I think、um, yeah, the idea of can you even tell when you are that enmeshed、mm. and and you know committed to their success, regardless of how much、uh, enabling you have to do to get them there.、Yeah. That's why you need those outside. That's、supports. why you need that. Yeah, safe friends,、mm-hmm. objective voices, a counselor to be able to speak into those areas. Yeah, so that when they are starting to change. It, you aren't、um, gaslit by the behaviors and by the sincere, supposedly sincere words of "Oh, I love you. I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to like those things." Are what our hearts want to hear, and so we cling to them,、right. like "Oh, this is like God's honest truth." And I think that's where you see the difference is when there's words. Yeah, you can't trust them. Yeah, addicts are liars.、Mm-hmm. They will lie. Yeah, they can't. They don't know any other way、mm-hmm. but lying.、Mm-hmm. So if you want to see sincerity, you see behavioral change. Yeah, you see heart change. You see them pr- being emotionally available. Because that's the other thing with addiction is part of the addiction is a, a regulation tool. So、mm-hmm. they're not emotionally available because they can't regulate without their addiction. Right. Yeah. And so if they're becoming emotionally available, then you're starting to see、mm. there's a change. So good. And if there's Not just behavioral modification, but behavior changes. Yeah, that's another thing to look at. Yep. Don't believe words. Yes, there's a there's a quote I read once that said,、um, "Your actions are so loud, I can't hear what you're saying." Yeah. Or I can't hear your words,、yeah. and I was like, "Whoa, that's so powerful." Right. So follow the actions. Use the support people in your life to get that feedback of, "Do you think this is genuine?" Because I can't tell. I'm too invested. Right.、Um, and keep yourself grounded with your own growth and healing, your own individuation, so that you're not continuing those toxic codependency patterns、yeah. that are ultimately going to cripple them and you.、Yeah. It's going to kill two birds、yeah. with one codependent stone. Yeah. And if you have kids, and it's going to cripple them too. Yeah. And for anybody out there that is listening, that is a Christian and and wants to go, struggles with okay, what what do I do? He's he's not didn't have an affair on me, so I have to stay married to him,、mm. um, or her, or her, right? That is very tricky.、Mm-hmm. We should probably do a whole episode on that. Probably should, but I just want to say also that do your seek God for that. But I'm going to. Say something that is probably very controversial. I'm not a huge advocate for divorce, and I don't take it lightly. For sure. But I do honestly believe that the God that I know, the loving Father, He loves marriage because He He created marriage to represent how Christ loves the church.、Mm. And if that marriage is not showing that in a grotesque manner, it yeah right. Like not just there's failures here.、Right. It's like if it's grotesquely against the、if、picture of of God, abusive, right, and emotionally or physically, emotionally or physically, or mentally, yeah, psychologically, that God doesn't honor that marriage.、Mm. I believe that God honors people over any、um, institution, institution, because、mm-hmm. we're His children. Um, where his, we bear his image. 
And so he prioritizes our safety over the institution that he created. Mm -hmm. And so I believe the Bible supports that. Yeah. Um, I believe God's character supports that. Jesus' character supports that. And so I know some avenues of Christianity say that if there's no sexual immorality, then I have to stay in this marriage. And, and there I, has been so much abuse from that misunderstanding yeah. of God's intention for marriage. I don't marriage. think that reflects his character. There has been so many families just destroyed yeah. from that. And so I, I do want to give that food for thought out there. Thank you guys for joining us today. A lot of material. It was fun to talk. It was. With this, with my lovely wife. <laughs> it was really good. And share more of our journey and just our processing. And hopefully it was helpful for you guys. Hopefully you guys can take it, apply it to your guys' marriage and continue pursuing your story, your voice and intimacy. Yep. Because finding your voice is totally 100% worth it. While it is a joy to provide our podcast content as a source of life enrichment, please note that information shared is not intended to replace or contradict any professional therapy or medical advice.